King James Version here on this first one. John, the seventh chapter and the twelfth verse. The King James Version here. And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, this concerning Jesus. You know, people murmured about the Lord Jesus. Did you know that? (laughs) And didn't say just murmuring, he said there was much murmuring. There was much murmuring. Much murmuring. Among the people concerning Jesus, concerning him, for some said, he is a good man. Others said, nay. Don't you like that King James? That's why I use the King James on this verse. Nay. Nay. But he deceiveth the people. Now you think about that. Much murmuring among the people. And you have some over here saying good things and you have some over here saying nay. He deceiveth the people. So you're always going to have that. I want to t- I'm titling this the naysayers. The naysayers. This message titled the naysayers. You know you're you're always going to have naysayers. You just are. You, and you, you'll, you'll, you're always going to have people saying some good things. And you're going to have people saying nay. Naysayers. And notice, uh, they said this concerning Jesus. Now, if they said this concerning Jesus, they're going to say it concerning you and me. Because a servant is not above his master. And if they did this to him, they'll do it to us. And there's always going to be folks that have some good things to say about you. And there's always going to be folks that have some nay things to say about you. That's just the way it is. There's no way to avoid that. And uh, the best thing you can do is, you know, when people are saying good things about you, you know... I heard a good minister say that you need to keep all compliment kind of at arm's length. Because you and me, we're probably not as good a lot of times as what people might be saying we are. (laughs) And the converse of that's true. We're we're not as bad as what the naysayers are saying about us either. Did you get that? Now, certainly we all love to hear compliment. Um. But, of course, there's a lot of naysaying going on in the world. And uh, let me read from my notes. A naysayer is one of those wonderful people who shows up in our lives speaking negative things about us, minimizing us. Have you ever been minimized? discouraging us in what God has put in our hearts to accomplish. Naysayers. They're just there. Wonderful, I got quotes around that. Wonderful people who shows up in our lives speaking negative things about us, trying to minimize us, discouraging us in what God has put in our hearts to accomplish. Um, Minimized. 
I don't like to be minimized, do you? You know, one way a naysayer works, and it's real subtle, you've got to watch this, because you, you need to realize that naysayers are, are being prompted of the devil. You, you need to realize that. Because the devil is behind all naysaying. Do you realize that? And did you know people, even Christians, born-again, spirit-filled Christians, will cooperate with the devil at times? Did you know that? And, and many times, unwittingly or unknowingly. Sometimes, wittingly and knowingly, they'll cooperate. But... Uh, uh, but the devil's behind it all, behind the naysaying, and, 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 and the devil will always try to minimize you, make you feel less of yourself and all of that. But here's another way that the devil operates in this, is sometimes a naysayer will show up. Now, now listen, they're real subtle. They won't come right out and minimize you, but guess what they'll do? They'll maximize themselves. With the intent to what? Minimize you. Have you ever had that happen to you? You know, you just, you did something that the Lord told you to do and, you know, you accomplished it with His help and, and then somebody else will come along and they'll, they'll, they'll well, yeah, yeah, but look at all what I did. Well, what have they done? They, did, they, they, they maximized themselves, but in maximizing themselves, what do they do? They minimized you and of course the Bible says we shouldn't compare ourselves among ourselves and all of that but unfortunately in this world you need to realize there's comparison and comparison goes on all the time there's no way to really get around it but let's don't us do it what do you say so the naysayers now of course there was much murmuring among the people about Jesus some saying good things, some saying the nay, nay. Now notice here just a few things that the naysayers were specifically saying. I mean, here's one thing. He deceives the people. Can you imagine somebody saying that about our Lord Jesus, that he's a deceiver? But, but, but wait, there's more. <laughs> they had more, had more to say than that. Look at, John, look at John 10, verse 20. John 10, verse 20. And just a few things here. <laughs> John 10, verse 20. And, and, and many of them said, now this is, t- is talking about Jesus here. Many of them said, look at this. He has a demon and is mad. This is in the King James Version, New King James, I believe. He has a demon and is mad. Crazy. Why do you listen to him? Can you imagine that? People saying that about Jesus. He has a demon and is mad or he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? And many people were saying that. Think about that. Think how that must have... I mean, Jesus, though he was 100% God, he was 100% man. And that must have hurt him. It just must have. Because he was just as human as you or me. Yet he was 100% God. This must have hurt him. And think about that. Now just think about, they're they're saying he has a what? He has a... Think about that. Why do you listen to him? He has a demon, they said. Think about that. 
That's some naysaying, isn't it? Sometimes we read over these verses and go, maybe sometimes I go a little too quick. I, slow, I need to slow down sometimes. And let's just think about this. He has a demon. He's mad. He's crazy. Think about that. Here's another one. John, the first chapter, just slip back to the first chapter there in verse 45. Uh, this is when, uh, well, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Think about that. Now, here Nathanael is going to be one of the 12, 12 disciples. So he's a good man. And, and I don't think he was doing this to, 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 hurt, to hurt Jesus. But apparently this was a phrase that was going around, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Fenton? Can anything good come out of wherever you're from? How will that make you feel? Can anything good come out of St. Louis County? Can anything good come out of Jefferson County? Ah, now you see I'm going to start... Can anything good come out of 1037 New Sugar Creek Road? Can anything good come out of Summit Church? All of a sudden we get right down to where we live. See, now we start taking a little bit more. And, and, and I think Nathaniel, I don't think he meant anything badly by it, but you know, sometimes folks uh, can say things and they don't mean to say them. They're not even thinking. And things just come out, and it can hurt folk. Did you get what I just said? We need to understand that, realize that. Sometimes folks just just really aren't thinking too much. I, you know, they're just, just kind of oblivious, and they're just saying things, and don't realize they're hurting folk, and they are. Here's another one, Matthew 11, verse 19. Matthew 11, verse 19. Jesus speaking here, and he said, the Son of Man, talking about himself, came eating and drinking, and they say, now notice, was Jesus aware of what people were saying about him? Well, he just said it right here, because he, he, they say he's aware of, they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber are a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, back in that day, to be a friend of tax collectors was a was a bad, bad thing. It's probably still a bad thing today, you know. But uh, it's amazing all the taxes that they take from us, and and they're and, and they're still broke, aren't they? <laughs> The government still, and it'd be a good deal if the government was just broke. They're not just broke, they're way in the hole, you know. 
But notice here, Jesus was aware of what folks were saying about him, at least in this instance. This is another instance where where he, he asked his disciples, whom do, whom do they say the Son of Man is? So, I mean, I'm not saying Jesus was aware of what everybody was saying about him, but in this case, he, he realized they were calling him a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. So the naysayers, they're out there. We just need to realize that they're out there. And uh, if you go down, of course, Jesus, this happened to him, but the Apostle Paul, go to Acts 24, verse 5. Acts 24, verse 5. Read this in the NIV. Acts 24, verse 5, because the servant's not above his master. And so they did this to Jesus. They're going to do it to Paul, and they're going to do it to you and me. Notice Acts 24, verse 5. We have found this man. Now, this is what they're saying about the Apostle Paul. We found this man to be a... To be a, a, a what? A, tr- a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a, he's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. Troublemaker. Ringleader. I know uh, one of my good friends... There was some false doctrine some years ago that were that was rising to the forefront, and uh, he's a very knowledgeable, my friend, very knowledgeable on the Bible, and uh, he wrote he wrote a paper and whatnot to, and this was something that was in certain circles was false doctrine was gonna was was rising up and. And some prominent people were were about to to uh, snatch a hold of it. And uh, this friend of mine, an influential person, and and uh, he wrote a paper and, and and a dissertation on the subject and debunked the false doctrine that was rising to the forefront. And when the people who were biting into the false doctrine heard of, heard about it, guess what they called him? They called him a, a troublemaker. I don't know about you, but I want to be around those kind of troublemakers that hold on to good, to good, to good sound doctrine. Can you say amen? amen. I, and I'd like to be that kind of a troublemaker. What do you say? Amen. If we're going to debunk false doctrine. But the point for this message here is Paul was just going around trying to help people and notice they're talking bad about him and they're bad-mouthing him. He's a troublemaker. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. That was, we could say it this way, he's a ringleader among the Christians. You know, not only did our Lord have to deal with this naysaying, Paul had to deal with it. Everybody who's ever done anything for the Lord has had to deal with it. We all have to deal with it in our daily lives where we work. Have you ever had any naysayers on the job? Oh yeah, they're all over the place. You don't have to look far to find them. Job, have you ever heard of Job in the Old Testament? He had to deal with naysayers. Three of his friends, you know. A lot of times friends can be the biggest naysayers in our lives. A lot of times they're just, uh, sometimes they're just they think they're looking out for our best interests. But uh, 
But a lot of times it, 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 it hurts us. Have you ever had a well-meaning friend try to talk you out of the will of God for your life? Job had to deal with it. Joseph, he had to deal with it with his brothers, didn't he? And they put him in a pit, didn't they? And sold him into Egyptian bondage. Is that right? And then David, did David ever have to deal with the naysayers? King David, I'm talking about. His, think about his brothers. Uh, they, 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 they came against him because he was home taking care of his daddy's few sheep. Now you think about that. Among other things, one of the things that they naysayed him on was he's just home taking care of daddy's few sheep. You see that? You see that minimization in there? He's doing something that's less important because he's only taking care of a few sheep. You see that minimization in there? You see how his brothers, that, that's what one of the things his, their, David's brothers said about him. They, 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 they minimized him. So you see that? He's just taking care of a few. This minimization thing is an ugly thing. It really, really, really is. You know, I feel like the Lord said this to me in prayer this last week. The backbone of this nation has not necessarily been the big mega church, but it's been the smaller local churches situated throughout the land who have been the backbone of this nation. And you go back and you look at it from the uh, inception of the nation and so on and so forth. Small local bodies of believers situated strategically at the hand of God. Now we're not we're not against the mega church. Thank God for it. You know there's there you know there's things you can find in the mega church that you can't find in the in the smaller one, and vice versa. Did you know that? There's pluses and minuses on both sides. Some people need the mega. Some people need the smaller. You know what? There's there's room for all of us. Can you say amen? amen. But we should never be uh, minimized because one is s- smaller, one's larger. See that gets into comparison. Huh? Did you know that Philip went down into the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them? They had a great city-wide revival. How many remembers that in the book of Acts? And then right in the middle of that, the Lord spoke to Philip to go out into the desert and minister to one person. Think about that. Well, why would you want to leave a citywide revival and go out to minister to one person because the Lord said to do it? That's why. And that one person that the Lord had him go out there and minister to took the gospel back to Ethiopia, you see? But you see how easy it is to be minimized. Well, you're just doing, all you're doing is greeting at the door at the church. All you're doing is serving in this area of the church. All you're doing is Whatever it is, whatever it is on your job, you know all I'm doing is this little little thing. 
See, don't let the devil minimize you. Can, can you say amen to that? We, we're all important to God. We all have, have, have different assignments. And we must not allow the devil to naysay us and minimize us. How many of you realize that when David was being minimized because he was just taking care of those few sheep, do you realize that that was the very thing that propelled him to being the king, one of the things that propelled him to being the king? Because God said to him, he said, I took you out of the sheep pen and made you the king. See, God saw his heart. He saw that David was concerned about just a few sheep. And, and if you can be trusted in that which is least, God can trust you with that which is much. So you see, it's, it may be that very thing that the naysayers have come against you on, that, that, that thing that you feel so minimized in and so insignificant and so small and unimportant. It, 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 it oft, very, oft, very oftentimes, it's that very thing that God is looking at that blesses him. And gets his attention and causes promotion in your life. And even if you had to do what's, what's considered that small thing your whole life, if that's what God told you to do, that's what you want to be doing. Is that right? I, I just don't want anybody to be minimized because they're obeying God in what seems to be a small and insignificant thing. I think about a certain certain church in a certain area and the, the man ministers to just, just very few people. But he's doing what God, I'm thinking about this certain pastor, but God, I think is so blessed because that man is, I'm thinking about a certain community now where, where I've been to, I preach at the man's church, there's just a, just a handful of people that come. But you know those handful of people are important to God. And that man should never be minimized for ministering to just a couple of people. Because everybody's important to God. Can you say amen? amen. Naysayers. Interesting, aren't they? Have you ever had, how many ever had to deal with a naysayer in their life? Just, just, just a couple of people? You see, you, there's only three or four people. How many people you've ever had, had to deal with naysayers? Oh my gosh. Well, if you've lived more than about, you know, past age of 10, you've probably had to deal with them. Well, I, you know, what about in school? Bullies. Has anybody ever been bullied in, 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 in school? Those are naysayers, aren't they? form of it it's always uh, something I just did not like was getting on a school bus in the morning I don't know if you can relate to this but uh, you know you get on the school bus particularly once you got up to junior high and, and, and I got in uh, seventh grader got on the bus and, and, and looking for a seat you know and you, you, you know you'd have the seniors and the juniors they'd be sitting there and they didn't want anybody to sit with them so they'd have their books and things and and, and, and you go all the way to the back and, and there's several seats but but people aren't going to let you sit with them I don't like that feeling do you 
And then the bus driver we had, she just stopped and she wouldn't make them move their stuff. She just wasn't going to go anywhere until somebody moved their stuff. And I mean, that can put you in a real bad situation, you know, uncomfortable because you're standing there and everybody's yelling at you to sit down, but they won't move their stuff. To So one time I just sat right down on the floor. And, and she said, well, you can't sit on the floor. I said, well, then you're going to have to make some of these people move their stuff. And she said, well, I'm not going to do that. And so I don't, know how that, I don't know how that all worked out. I guess somebody finally moved their stuff. But uh, I didn't have an experience like that again because once I began to drive a car, I started driving the car to school, and I got rid of that mess. I didn't want on that bus no more. But then, but then when Diane and I went to, uh, on vacation this last time, and one of my few times I get on a plane... Uh, I got on the plane and, and we, we flew a certain airline and, and we got on last. And, uh, and so Diane, she got on, she found a seat, but I, I was one of the last ones on, probably the last one on. I stay off that thing as long as I can. <laughs> anyway, and I got on, on, on the jet and I'm looking for a seat. And so I went all the way to the back, all the way to the front and 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 and, uh, and in fact, it happened to me again. There was a there was a seat open, and I said, "May I sit?" The nope, nope. We're saving that for somebody else. You know, just took me back all those years back to on the bus. You know, and uh, and so I get to the back, get to the front, got about halfway back. The stewardess gets to me, says, "Sir, you're going to have to sit down." I said, "Well, you're going to have to find me a seat, ma'am." And I said, "I don't care uh, where you put me." I said, "You can put me in the cargo hold. I don't care, but I just you know you're going to have to find me a seat." Um, I don't know about you, but it, but 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 if somebody wanted to sit by me, I'd let them sit by me. Now, if I was saving a seat for my wife, that'd be one thing. But I noticed I never saw anybody really come sit down in that seat where they. Is it you know we need to walk in love, don't we? Naysayers made me feel real good, you know. They'll make you feel all bright and cheery, the naysayers. Let's just practice it. Let's say nay. Nay. We sound like a bunch of horses, don't we? Let's try it one more time. Nay. Nay. Naysayers. You know, Nehemiah, have you ever heard of him? He had to deal with the naysayers. He was a governor of Jerusalem who directed the rebuilding of the wall after the Babylonian captivity of the Jews. And Nehemiah and his work crew were harassed by three naysayers, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gishon. I'm glad I'm not named Sanballat. How about you? But these three guys, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gishon, they, they, they harassed Nehemiah. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, notice what the Bible says here, Nehemiah 4, verse 1, but, but it so happened when Sanballat heard, this is Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, but so it happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. See, a lot of times these uh, 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 naysayers, uh, will, they'll just come out and be bold and mock you. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? See, what are, notice, what are these feeble Jews? See how they're minimizing Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? See, they're minimizing. He's minimizing. Will they receive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? A revive. I better learn how to read. 
Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him and he said, whatever they build, now watch this, whatever they build, you know, if they get, if they get the wall up, if they build it, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. That's got naysayer all over it, doesn't it? Minimizing. Even if you do get it built, it's going to be so weak and insignificant. Won't mount to anything. But you know what? None of these naysayers were able to stop Nehemiah's building project. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let any naysayers stop me. If I were going to let them stop me, I'd have let them stop me years ago. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to uh, let them stop me. The builders worked with construction tools in one hand. Now think about this. When they were building that wall, they had construction tools in one hand and weapons in the other. Think about that. They had a construction in one hand and weapons in the other. So, you know, you're building a wall and you got the, you got the, the cement in one hand and a and shotgun in the other. Think about that. To ward off the enemies while you're building the wall. Think about that. I don't think I've ever had anything that tough to go through. Have you? And to all the naysaying, listen to what Nehemiah replied. He said, I'm doing a great work. You can look it up. I don't have the verse for it, but you can look it up and see. That was his response to the naysayers. He didn't, he didn't let them bother him. He just said, I'm doing a great work. And you know, we need to have that same attitude about us. If we're doing what God has called us to do, no matter what the naysayers say, we just need to say, well, I'm doing what God told me to do, and I'm doing a great work for God. Can you say amen to that? And you know what? Jeremiah's wall was finished in 52 days. It was a marvelous accomplishment for such a great endeavor. Nehemiah's success stems from the fact that he kept saying, and know something else, and you can look it up, a good assignment for you, you can look it up. He said, oh God, strengthen my hands. Right in the midst of all that naysaying, he not only said, I'm doing a great work, but he kept praying and he kept saying to the Lord, oh God, strengthen my hands. And so while they're naysaying us and they're chewing on us, whoever they may, you ever wonder who they are? I mean, you know, who, who, are, who are the they, you know? Uh, when, when the naysayers are chewing on us and going on and so forth, just ask God, oh God, strengthen me that I may accomplish what you've called me to do. Just strengthen me to accomplish what you've called me to do. Because you see, it doesn't matter what the naysayers say about us. It only matters what God says about us. That's all that matters. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ on that day, the naysayers aren't going to matter. It's what did we do for him? Did we accomplish what he told us to do? That's all that's going to matter. And Nehemiah's activities did not stop with the completion of the wall. He also went on to lead many social, political, and religious reforms among the people. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't let the naysayers stop him. Now, you know, we're talking about Bible folks here, and that's great, fantastic. But you know, others in more recent times have had to deal with the naysayers. 
listen to this, Albert Einstein. Have you ever heard of him? In, 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 in Munich, his teacher told him when he was 10 years old, Einstein's teacher said, you will never amount to very much. A Chicago Time editorial in 1863 wrote of Abraham, <coughs> Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Here's what they wrote. <clears throat> the cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat, dishwatery utterances of the man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as the President of the United States. That's what they wrote about Lincoln. The cheek of every American must tingle with shame as Lincoln reads the silly, flat, and dishwatery utterances. He's a man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners that he's the President of the United States. See, this naysaying devil has always been around. You talk about the fake news media today, let me tell you that, and by the way, it's this naysaying spirit that sits on much of the media. Now, there's some good media out there. Don't misunderstand me. There's some good media out there. But a lot of it isn't. And a lot of it has this naysaying spirit setting on it. Do you understand that? So it's really nothing new. I tell you what, one of the most uh, dangerous things for our country is, and I've been saying this a long time, one of the most dangerous things for our country is a dishonest news media. A dishonest news media. I tell you what, we need all news media to be saying that which is right and that which is true. Can you say amen to that? And, 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 and if, if, if all of the news media would just, would just deliver that which is right and that which is true, things would go a whole lot better for this nation. Did you hear me? Diane and I went some time ago and we visited where Lincoln uh, lived there in Springfield, Illinois. Remember that? And some of the stuff they had, some of the cartoons that they wrote about him, I, I, I was just thinking, my gosh, these are terrible things. And the same thing goes on today. Because, because, because this naysaying, we're talking about naysayers, this naysaying thing, it's really driven, it's driven by the devil, you see. You know, if folks were walking in love, we wouldn't be saying bad things about anybody, would we? Is that right? I said if folks were walking in love, we wouldn't be saying bad things about anybody. Is that right? So they went off on Abraham Lincoln. And then here's one. Speaking of presidents, here's one for you. If you'll remember the election, 1948, the Chicago Tribune had a big front page thing, and it said what? Dewey defeats Truman, remember that? 
And it was always neat where Harry Truman was holding that picture with a big smile on his face, holding that picture, holding that paper with a big smile on his face. Because as you know, if you don't realize this, but uh, Dewey didn't defeat Truman. Truman defeated Dewey, but the newspaper printed it a little too fast and had it out there and uh, naysayers, naysayers. They'll want to they'll call things before they even happen. A minor league manager watched Hank Aaron and commented, that kid can't play baseball. Fred Smith, founder of the Federal Express, wrote a paper at Yale in which he proposed an overnight delivery service. His management professor wrote on the paper, the concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C, the idea must be feasible. See, now, if that would have affected Fred Smith, we wouldn't have all the good stuff we have today, you know. With Federal Express and Amazon, I think Amazon's taken over everything just about. And I never would have thought, you all you got to do is go to the computer, hit a couple of buttons, and it shows up at your door the next day or two. That's unbelievable, isn't that? That's incredible, isn't it? I would have never thought that. that. My mama, she would really think that was something. I mean, you just go and Diane goes on there and clicks a few buttons and the next thing you know, within a day or two, it's sitting at your front door. Now the clampets, Jed, Granny, they would have really had something with that, wouldn't they, you know? How many enjoyed the clampets? You like the clampets, you know? The ding, dong, dong, ding. Let me finish. Ding, uh, ding, dong. And that went on for a while and then the next episode, ding, dong in the next episode ding dong and Jethro said you know Uncle Jed every time that chime goes off within just a few minutes somebody's knocking on the door how many remember that <laughs> how many remember the cement pond you like that cement pond and, and when the, they, 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 they thought the swimming pool or not the, uh, the pool table they thought that was a big dining table and they had that, it was called, it called the billiard room. And they had that big, that big picture of that elk up on the wall and they, or whatever it was. And they called that the billiard. And it was a billiard room, they said. And they used the pool sticks for the pot passers. How many remembers that? That's just hilarious. I wish they made comedies like that now. I really, I really like that. An NBC television executive suggested to Gene Roddenberry who created Star Trek, here's what the executive said, you're going to have to get rid of that pointed ear guy. <laughs> well, we're talking about the naysayers. See, now I gave you all those scriptures at the beginning, but now we're talking about some everyday stuff. I'm glad they didn't get rid of Mr. Spock, aren't you? Yes. An MGM executive in 1929 noted in response to Fred Astaire's screen test. Here's what he said to Fred Astaire. Can't act, can't sing, balding, can dance a little. How many loves Lucy? I love Lucy. Lucille Ball's drama instructor wrote to the 15-year-old girl's mother and told her that her daughter had no talent and was too introverted to make it in show business. Elvis Presley 
was fired after one performance in 1954 and was told, here's what he was told, you ain't going nowhere, boy. You ought to go back to driving a truck. And I think that was by the Grand Ole Opry. And Elvis, the king of rock and roll, wouldn't go back there after that. And I don't blame him. And the colonel, how many knows who the colonel is? Colonel Tom Parker was asked about that several years later and he said after Elvis had passed and he was asked about that and he said we made it just fine without him and, and Elvis did. How many know Elvis did just fine without the Grand Ole Opry? I know in my life uh, I, I could point to many of these but, but uh, the one that I guess stands out to me is when I was doing my student teaching at uh, Lafayette High School I was doing my student teaching to become a math teacher and I taught my first lesson. First lesson. Now, how many of you know when you do your first lesson, you're probably not going to be as good as, uh, you know, you need some time to prepare and practice. And, and, and you need to teach several lessons. And, you know, you get better as you go. But I taught my first lesson. And that night, the student teaching uh, supervisor called me on the phone and said, said uh, you are such a terrible teacher that you need to reconsider and do something else with your life. You have absolutely no teaching ability. But as we went on down the road, you know, wherever I would teach, my classes would always fill up and we did, we did, we did okay without her great encouragement. And the real lesson in that is I had to I had to overcome that. You know, words can words these words can, word huh? And every time you get up in front of a class to teach, guess what's in the back of your head? These these naysayers could really you know, they can really get in your head. They can really play with your mind. Did you know that? It took me years before I got that all out of me. Because you get up to teach, and the, those you know he has no teaching ability would ring in the back of my. Back of my head. The biggest lesson in that, with that particular individual, for me, was not as bad as what they said was to me. Now, I could see if she had said that to me after, you know, 10 weeks of doing this, but, but this was after the first, first time out. And, uh, but the biggest thing for me was not what she said to me, but it was forgiving her for saying it. Took me, it took me some time. We grew up spiritually some and were able to forgive her, certainly. And you know, I'll, I, I didn't do everything right with that lady. I mean, there were some things I was young and I had some things that I didn't do right, you know, that I needed to learn some things. But I don't think I had that coming, do you, after one lesson? I mean, that was a little tough. But we forgive, move on. Listen to this, Lou Holtz, the former head coach of the Notre Dame football team said this, so what if someone wrote your obituary, that doesn't mean you're obligated to die. Is that good or not? That's so good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again. He said, so what if someone wrote your obituary, that doesn't mean you're obligated to die. Amen? Amen? That's worth coming just to hear that, right? 
So I'll just, I'm gonna read these scriptures for the sake of time. But in Psalm 119, it says this, the godless spread lies about me, but I focus my attention on what you are saying, O Lord. Is that good? And then the apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit said, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's respond to the naysayers like, like Nehemiah did. You know, none of the naysaying stopped him. In, in the midst of all the naysaying, he continued his work and he said, I'm doing a great work. He asked God to strengthen his hands. He continued to pray. He completed the wall. He completed his task. And his activities did not stop at the wall, but he went on to do other things for the Lord as well. So, you know, like in my, thank God that Elvis didn't stop there when they told him to go back and drive a truck or thank God Lucy didn't stop, you know, when they said she didn't have any ability and thank God, you know, all these people didn't stop. How many of you are glad that, that who was it, uh, Edison didn't stop on the first trial of the light bulb, you know. They probably had some bad stuff to say about him, you know. And what was it? He said something to the effect after he did it thousands of times. He said when he finally got it to work, he said, well, he said, you know, I found out that, you know, 9,862 ways that it didn't work, you know. Have that kind of an attitude, you know, whatever the number was. I'm not going to let the naysayers stop me. And you shouldn't let them stop you. Can you say amen? Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Stand with me if you would. Stay in an attitude of prayer.